What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind, no sorry, what was it? Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. So truly is a little different. So one time, let me think. It was whenever All this I'm recording, by the way. Yeah, it's fine. I don't care. Me neither. Keep it in the episode. Something entertaining. How's it going, guys? I'm just going to enter the show. This, If any of you uh, have been listening to us real quick, <laughs> you will never listen to us again. I'm just going to say we will talk about Full Gear eventually, but there's – you know what? That's it. That That's the intro. Continue on. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So, like, season – what was it? What was it? Season three of Stranger Things. Yeah. I always tried I, – I like that they just – dump that show because i like to sit down and knock it out over the course of like two days right of course and i watched the entirety of season three in a single day because yeah. i was on the uh, bus uh, during baseball season and just watched it all Ooh, it was that's, like a 12 hour bus or it's like a nine hour yeah, bus ride or whatever yeah that's good so one thing i with my job it came out and it was like a time of year that I could literally just take a day off and be like, right, yeah. this is what I'm doing now. And I'm Summer just going to watch the tax this. deadline. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So I sat down to do that and I had a whole pack, like one of those truly variety packs, like yeah. a 12 pack or a 24 pack or something. I think it was a 12 pack. And I started and you know, I just started kind of going through it and watching and watching and watching and watching. And when you started, like I started maybe in the middle of the afternoon. So the sun was up and I'm now like, a couple episodes in and every time I get up to like get a new can, I'm like, Whoa, okay. That stuff's strong, you know? Cause it's, it sneaks up on you. Cause it's so light. You don't feel yeah. like you consumed well, anything. And it's 5%. You... So yeah, no, it's stout. And then I, I got like six episodes in out of like eight or something. I was close. I was like, all right, I'm, I need to go to bed. I'm kind of messed up. I'm pretty tired. And I'll like knock these two out tomorrow. It'll be like a movie and I'll finish the season. So that's what I intended to do mm -hmm. except it's like you said it's five percent and it's just it's just cane sugar and alcohol like that's all it is so i woke up the next day and i could not get out of bed until six o'clock in the p.m like <laughs> that was my entire day it was it was one of the worst days after that i've ever had interesting i have it was, multiple times drank an entire 12 pack yeah. in a single day and it's never been that bad it might have been – well, I'm sure, you know, I didn't drink any water or, like, prepare myself oh, in any meaningful yeah, way. that's fair. That was a big part of it. I was just like, ah, I'm fine. I'll go to bed. So I'm sure that was part of it. But I knew immediately, like, it was the sugar and, like, too little food and not enough water. All that being said, I kind of – I stayed away from seltzer for a while after yeah, that. Yeah, that's fair. And truly, in particular, I'm like, ah, you know, we'll probably just – we'll probably stick to the White Claw. There's better memories there. Yeah. Well, see, truly is just by far the best tasting one out of all of the ones I've ever had. I'll have to try the fruit punch then. Maybe the fruit I'll punch get some of that. Fruit punch is phenomenal. Weekend. Normally, right. the berry variety is has been my favorite because, like uh -huh. you said, there's more than just two that I like right. in it. Yeah. But yeah, these punch this punch uh, variety pack, real good. I don't know when it all came right. out, but real solid. We're gonna turn this into a uh, hard <laughs> seltzer podcast. Oh, this is gonna be longer. everything but wrestling. Um, the Braves <laughs> won the World Series. 
Yeah, that happened. That's why that's like the biggest reason we haven't recorded in a right. month because you were here and we were hanging out and not talking about wrestling. Well, we, we went to the game that. on that Sunday. Yeah, we did. Yeah, like, we did. Yeah, it was amazing. I went to two Braves games. We don't need to talk about how um <clears throat> for for legal reasons, but mm-hmm. I was in the building for for two Braves games or two World Series games, uh, game four and game five. Game four was amazing. That was like the greatest experience ever. Game five, not so much, but still we were in the World Series and then they won. So it doesn't matter. Like if they had lost the World Series, game five would have felt like looking back on it would would feel very differently. But the fact that they won, it was like, eh, we got to be in a World Series. You know, it was a World Series game. Exactly. Like I knew going, I was like, well, even if we don't win tonight, like it'll be such a great memory if we win. Yep. And then after we lost and we lost the way that we lost. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you were, you know, Mark can vouch for this because we were, we were riding home on the bus together. I was like, we're going to go to Houston and we're going to lose eight to nothing and 10 to nothing. <laughs> like I was like, this is it. Nothing ever goes this well. Like this is the beginning of the end. We're Atlanta. <laughs> and God bless this baseball team. They were just like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure none of that's real. Like no. the whole season, everyone was like, well, no, Max, I, well, I, Max Fried and Jorge Soler were like, nah, nah, fam, we got this. <laughs> right. Well, and I love Jacques Peterson because like he's had too much success to know what being an Atlanta sports <laughs> player is like. So true. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. really what it was. Like we play the Dodgers and everybody's like, oh, yeah, the man's Dodgers been in th- like three World Series in a row or what? Or not quite. Yeah. I guess the Nationals once, but he's been a, three out of the last four World Series. He's yeah. Been in. So like, you know, we're playing the Dodgers and everybody's like, oh, the Dodgers are a lot better. They're probably going to win. And all the fans are like, oh, we're going to lose to the Dodgers again. It's going to be terrible. And Jacques Peterson and the team are like, no, we, we'll just win, though. Let's just do that. And then they did. And then we got to the World Series, and everyone's like, yeah, Houston's way better. They're going to win. And we're like, oh, we're going to get our hearts broken. The Braves are just like, no, we're just going to win this one, too, actually. <laughs> like, Max Freed on his superhuman ankle is going to hulk up and just smoke the entire – I can't believe that happened. I, I Dude, I, I can't either. It, it was It's the greatest thing I've ever gotten to experience. I mean, and I'm a Broncos fan, so I got, like, lifelong Broncos fan. Not just since I moved out here. Like, I got to watch the Broncos win the Super Bowl, which was, like, the greatest thing ever. And Mm -hmm. it's not even close. Like, it's not even close. The Braves are my favorite sports team, period, by, like, a lot. Uh, Because my whole Georgia fandom is very marred. Um, Yeah. So, unfortunately, that just can't be at a particular level as everyone else. Braves are my favorite team by far. And I never thought I'd get to see that, especially not this year, especially not like that, especially not getting to go to two games. Like, I just flew back yeah. home just to be in the city. Like, yeah, it was. And then and then they win the whole thing and the way they won. They won seven to nothing and absolutely <laughs> dominated that whole game. And not a single one of us felt comfortable until the game was over. <laughs> no. Well, that's, okay, that's, I, I that's take that back. Was... Going into the ninth inning, I started to feel comfortable. <laughs> Well, that's why it was so weird and felt so un-Atlanta because you were thinking it would at least have to be down to the wire. And baseball's funny like that. When we stole yeah. game four Saturday night because we had no business winning that game. No, no, it, no. It, like, it was amazing. Game five was bad, but like it was one of those things where the bigger the lead got in game six, the more you're like, wait, we could just – it would be really hard for us to – and then we hit another home run. You're like, okay, it would be really hard for us to blow this. Like, Yeah. It was surprisingly undramatic after that first inning. They got yeah. all the drama out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did. 
They did. For, yeah, for sure. The Max Freed ankle and all that stuff in the I first inning. I thought we inning. were done, dude. I was like, he just broke his yep. ankle. We're I was like, it's happening again. It's game. happening again. It happened to Charlie, and now it's going to happen again. Houston is cursed. Yep. But uh, no, it didn't. Max Freed absolutely dominated. And we Max Freed was finally Max Freed for the first time since the Milwaukee series. And, oh, man, it was glorious. It was absolutely I, um, glorious. Did we talk about the parade at all? Have we? <clears throat> or, no. No. Oh, dude. <laughs> no, yeah, you okay. got to tell me about how the parade went. Yeah, once again, welcome to Behind the Braves. Um, oh, yeah, we're losing every fan possible that we haven't already lost. I feel – here's – we'll put it this way. I feel like our good listener, whoever you are, um, deserves an explanation for why we haven't been on in like a month and a half. Yeah, that's So fair. this is what this is. <laughs> so, that's fair. So, you know, they announced the parade in two parts just to – there's one for like the Atlanta half just because they're technically called the Atlanta Braves and you could tell they didn't want to do that. And then the other half in Cobb County, like down past the mall and into the stadium. So my office is the parade goes down Peachtree Street until it hits 10th. And when it hits 10th, it turns left and goes onto the interstate. Nobody even knows what that means. Just know my office is on Peachtree and 14th. So I literally just had to walk four blocks south to get to where the parade stopped and like took a left turn so they literally they closed our office the day of the parade like they were like hey everyone just work from home because we don't want to have to deal with the traffic and i was like here's the thing i'm I'm going to the parade so i'm just (laughs) going to be the one guy in the office working so it was funny there was like a partners meeting that day so it ended up just being me and all of the partners (laughs) All of whom walked by and were like, what are you doing here? I'm like, no, I'm going to see my shirt and going to the parade. But it was just – it was funny. So I I walked up there for that. It was really cool being on the end because that's kind of where everyone like just kind of naturally congregated. Like Mm -hmm. I slept in. I got a little bit of Waffle House to you know celebrate and fuel me up. And I got there at like 10 or 1030 and I saw people leaving the parking deck of my office with camp chairs Mm -hmm. and i was like oh okay so these guys are serious like they're gonna have a good spot but i left at like i don't know noon and walked up there maybe 11 30 because it was supposed to start at noon drive through downtown and then finish in downtown at like 1 15 so i walked up there at like oh it was like a four hour ordeal i had the whole thing on because i was on a long drive so i just had it up on my phone in the car and used up all (laughs) of my data so so here's the thing it's three and a half of those hours were in the Cobb County portion of the show. So like I walked up there, it was a good little crowd of people and I wasn't, you know, like I just wanted to be there. And like, it was just as fun to see like the little kids and like the old men who never thought they would get to see another mm-hmm. one and like be a part of the community. That was more fun to me yep. than going and like seeing the players. Cause like that was cool. But like, I, I wasn't going to like shove the little kid out of the way to be in the front <laughs> row. You know what I mean? Right. I was like, let him have it. So, I could see a little bit and, you know, they put the, you know, they put a lot of them up on buses and you can see blooper on the fire engine or whatever. The, the, this cracks me up. The 680 mobile came rolling by like the radio station van. Yeah. It was just the van with the side <laughs> panel door, like rolled open and all the radio hosts on the inside, like what's up? Like they were in the parade. <laughs> and that was so funny to me. That was one of my favorite parts, but they were done at like, 1245 yeah when they claimed it would be at least 115 i mean there are a couple videos oh yeah when they really get going on peach tree where they're going like 20 they're miles flying an hour. <laughs> they were 
lying. It's and one of it the funniest so... things I've ever seen. It's one of the funniest parade things I've ever seen. You're just like, this is not a parade. This is a race. Yeah. Just like, like gone. <laughs> so some people, I mean, even leaving, like I was determined to have a good time for all of the Atlanta sports reasons we previously discussed. I was just happy to have it. But I also like didn't take a day off work and drive my three kids into downtown yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. To have them see that. Like some people were grumbling as we left. Sure. And I do get why I was just determined to have a good time because I was like, listen, you you genuinely probably never thought you would get to see this, Harris. Yeah. yeah. So just enjoy it. So I did. But it was it was it was you could tell we haven't done it in a while. And also <laughs> they, they were have. really in a hurry to get to cop. Elaine like, United it was won all three state. years ago. Like we've had this. You'd think they'd be better. Well, it's it's the two locations thing. I mean, that's really sure, weird. that is like, true. They were and that's in a fair. hurry. I mean, look, to... they flew through there, and the whole thing still took like four hours. So, like, I yeah. I kind of get it. They were in a hurry to get everyone to Cobb County and get in the stadium where yeah. the actual party was going to be. Like that right. was clearly what it was. And, and again, fair. I you know I had free parking and basically a half day of work, so there, it was easy so, for yeah. me. But yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, I was very disappointed I wasn't able to be a part of the parade and all the just celebration stuff. I had to miss Atlanta United's win. I was in stupid South Dakota for that, and then now I had to miss uh, the Braves win the World Series for uh, well, being you, down here. You you got a lot more of the Braves. Oh, yeah, for United. sure. No, 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 no. I'm not complaining at all. I got to go to two, well, one and a half World Series games. So and and the good half of the one game, I literally got there in the top of the sixth inning uh, of of game four. Like it was two nothing oh, and nothing had that. happened before then. That no. was just in time. Yeah, yeah I got that was the, great. Yeah, literally they got the one run in the sixth and then the back to back homers in the seventh. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I got there like right on time. It was awesome. But um, but yeah, the Braves won the World Series. So I spent like three hundred dollars the night of buying yep. merch and made all <laughs> the wrong choices. Um, <laughs> Well, I was buying the, the, the locker room shirt and the locker room hat. They're always garbage. I don't care. I'm always going to buy those. That's fair. Uh, the hat's terrible, uh, as they always are, but it's fine. I put it on my desk in my office, so that's fine. Uh, the shirt I was much more mad about. This is the worst quality shirt of all time that I have ever had. I own like three million t-shirts, Harris, ranging mm-hmm. from like a dollar shirt to you know nicer t-shirts. This is the worst one by far. And one of the more expensive ones I bought. And I, I want to know who designed this because they're an idiot. Like, I've never worn a t-shirt where if I put my arms up, it looks like I have shoulder pads on. Like, I don't know what the sizing is with this thing. They put a hard tag connected in the shoulder of the seam. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, they didn't. One, shirts don't have real tags anymore. We're in 2021. Mm-hmm. Two, if you're going to put a tag, you put it on the back of the shirt. No, they put it in the shoulder and it's a hard tag. Like it's not like a normal soft tag. Like it's, it feels like a piece of small, like thin cardboard and it's in the seam. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, if I cut this, I now have a sharp ridge on the shoulder seam. So I'm like, well, I'll try and pull it out. Yeah, I pulled all the stitching out on the shoulder. So now there's going to be a hole there eventually. Mm. It's mm. just a disaster, Harris. This this thing's a disaster. I should have bought more t-shirts. I bought a bunch of hats. So the one isn't great. I bought the parade hat, that white oh, okay. one, because that thing's okay, awesome. Good. And that's say, like that's a good hat. That one is 
awesome. Yeah, because it's like a real that. new era, you know, yeah. hat. Good. I'm, and, I'm glad. Yeah. Literally, so not to interrupt you, I saw like your shelf of like hats and the tomahawk mm-hmm. and like memorabilia. Yeah. That was like the biggest thing that motivated me to get that parade hat because I was like, oh man, I need to get, I need to start one of those. And yeah. the parade hat is so clean. Like I I don't think I'll ever wear it out of the house, but it's yeah. so pretty. I'm it's wondering just sitting about on my dresser and I love it. It's I don't know perfect. what I'm going to do with that one because the other 3 cuz like the parade hat fits with the other two look better cuz it's white. Right. But those two are the locker room hat and the other crappy one from this year is the locker room hats. That's mm. why I put it there. That makes sense. That makes sense. So I might still wear it. I don't know. But I mm. also bought like a 47 brand slouch all blue that just says World Series Champions. And yeah, that one just came one. in today. And that's a good that one's good. That's the one I'll wear the most for sure. And then that's I have so funny. I have a hoodie coming I, in, which mm-hmm. is a Fanatics brand. So we'll see how that goes again. Thought was not put into that night in buy, me buying things <laughs> um and then i have like a pennant and i think and and i bought a freddie freeman like world series t-shirt jersey with like the patch on it which i wish oh, i sweet. had i wish i had not done that because i have like six of those with other players mm. and i wish i had done like another world series t-shirt like like one of the ones you got because yours looked mm. really good i wish i had done that still might at some point but yeah, I was anyway. gonna say it'll be around for a minute and probably yeah. on sale at some point. But yeah, I was in a big rush. That's so funny though, because I'm I haven't done it yet, but I have my eye on one or two other hats because I did the same calculus. I was like, I gotta have one display hat and yeah. one wearing around hat. Yep. Yep. For and sure. And I've got I got those shirts. I got a little it, it's just like a little print, like it's this cool minimalist thing. It's got the Atlanta A and the World Series trophy silhouette. Nice. Like on a blue field, it looks really good. I'm gonna frame that and put it up somewhere. Yeah, I got a and pennant. It's the kind of, I got a yeah. Like I bought a pennant at the World Series. That nice. just uh, that's the only thing I bought actually there because the World Series merch was just awful. Um, <laughs> so and I knew like if we won, I was gonna buy a bunch anyway. So I waited. So I just bought one pennant, but then I bought like an actual champions pennant too. So I'll put that up somewhere when that comes in. And I bought a pin. They had a pin. Did you see that? That like apparently is going to come with World Series dirt in it. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, but apparently it's not going to come into like March or like something. But uh, yeah, I bought one tracks. of those too. So I was like, that'd be cool. Yeah. And I've got so I got that hat. I'm going to get another or I might I might ask for a second hat for Christmas. I don't know. Just yeah. not by myself. And then I got those two shirts and then I've got one other I, I did mine in waves, basically, so I bought a bunch the night of, and then I bought a little bit more the next day. Yeah. But the uh, I've got, like, it's not the Fanatics hoodie. It's the black and gold hoodie that says World Series Ooh. Champions on it, so it's a little more like the parade hat. Yeah. And then I, I bought it. So that one. <laughs> there's this website called Homage, H-O-M-A-G-E, that does, like, I, I know them because they do some wrestling stuff. They had a bunch of Atlanta Braves gear. It wasn't this year's World Series Braves gear because they released it before the Braves won the World Series. Mm-hmm. But they had like a plain, like a great Braves hoodie, um, a 95 World Series shirt nice. and a 2021 NLCS shirt. Mm-hmm. And it was clear like they had the license for the CS, but not the World Series. Yeah. But I bought all of those anyway because <laughs> the 95 World Series looks great. That's a really cool shirt. <laughs> Yeah. And then I was like, well, the NLCS is outdated, but that's still fun. And then I bought and then I bought the World Series hoodie, like the black hoodie and one other World Series T-shirt. So, yeah, it's been a monster haul. They took a lot of our money. 
uh, oh yeah, I'd have spent so much. You absolutely have to. Yeah, they're they're trash. That and they and, and you know it's funny they used to be okay. Like mm. I have some fanatics here from like three years ago, and it's actually not bad. And it has taken a big downturn. Once I got a monopoly on everything, it yep. just, it's trash now. It's I was going to say it's just like EA or something. They yep. do everything for everybody, and it's terrible. But mm-hmm. I get it. Like I get that you're like, all right, well, this is the official one. Like I want yeah. the shirt. Yeah, I was getting the locker room crap. Locker I did the room. same thing with the Broncos. I was like, I'm buying. Yeah. Although those were good because the shirts were Nike that uh, back in 2015, and uh, the hats were still new era, but they were better quality new era mm-hmm. than the one that I got this year but it's fine it's it's on a display so it's fine i don't have to wear it but uh anyway yeah i i've spent so much money because i had to get all my snowboarding stuff ready so yeah we have hemorrhaged money harris over the past few weeks uh hemorrhaged money it's been real real bad oh let me tell you okay by the way you need to come out here and snowboard at some point oh man now it's tough because almost every saturday i can't i have sports almost every saturday until like end of march which is very frustrating but yeah anyway. so uh <laughs> uh with my current job that's not gonna work then speaking of march that that reminds me but well i'm oh yeah no march wouldn't work i know that we'll see i'm I... free every sunday that's the thing so okay okay well speaking of hemorrhaging cash here's my other segue for that Tell me how this is for for bringing back into the topic of the actual podcast. The other big thing that I have hemorrhaged money on lately is um, guess who's going to be in town in the Gwinnett Arena of all places on my birthday, December 1st. Uh, Dynamite, baby. Oh, somebody's calling Mark during the show. That's some professional. Should you answer it? No. I'll okay. answer my mom's call later. I talked to the other day. It's fine. Um, no, it's funny, actually, because when my phone's plugged in charging, for some reason, it adds like a weird feedback to the microphone for some reason. And so I put it on the ground and I was like, well, I'll turn the sound on just in case something happens because I can't see it really from here. And that backfired. Anyway, <laughs> continue. Uh, Dynamite. Anyway, nice. AEW Dynamite. is. Oh, not I did only see com- that. I did see that. That camp that came up. That's it's, going to it's not uh, only coming to Atlanta, which would have been perfect, but it's not even coming to Atlanta. It's coming to the Gwinnett Arena, right, which right. is even more niche for me as a person. Like it's 15 minutes away from my parents house where I grew up. It's five minutes away from the church that I went to for 18 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. It's centrally located for like all of my friends so it's on my birthday so a bunch of us got tickets and it's literally centrally located for like all of us it was it cracks me up every time a major entertainment act of some kind uses the Gwinnett arena instead of the Atlanta arena because somebody like at their agency clearly looked and the local arena is charging like half of whatever the state farm arena would charge Mm -hmm. that's always very transparently funny to me but it's pretty perfect for me. Like I said, it's going to be on my birthday and that's going to be a lot of fun. Cause like two of my friends are coming who like wrestling, but haven't kept up with it in a couple of years, but are like, uh, yeah, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are there. Like we're going, are you kidding? Like it's a no brainer. <laughs> and then my other friend doesn't care about wrestling at all, but it's fun to bring somebody like that and just force them to have a good time. So I'm very excited. I think it'll be fun. Even if the, like, you know, I've never seen a terrible episode of Dynamite, and even if it's fine, 
that'll still be a ton of fun. So I'm very much looking forward to that because Mark, this is a pretty solid little pay per view. Are we are we ready? Are no. We gonna, no, we got no. more stuff. Okay, there's I'm sorry. one I other to... thing I got to mention, and I really hate doing it because this is okay. really going to derail. This this is the this will lose everybody. Oh, okay, Harris, I can't stop listening to the stupid Taylor Swift album. <laughs> oh no, yeah, this will. Don't get me started. I I know the one that red the one that just came out. Yes, <laughs> it's terrible. It's so bad goes against everything i stand for in life oh that's you of all people that's why it's so funny i'm i'm well aware you want to know what's what's funny about that i think so for those of you who don't know because i'm not sure it's come up on the podcast before if you didn't already switch it off i am a massive mark for taylor if they follow you if they follow you on twitter they would know that's true that's true huge taylor swift mark I, I am a Mark pro- who is not a Taylor Swift Mark. Correct. He's an he's just Mark. I like there are some absolute bangers on this album. This is the album that I personally am the least into. And it's funny, I was when it first came out. And at the time I was like, oh, maybe I'm just, you know, like I'm not gonna be that into Taylor Swift going forward. No, I super was. It's just that album. That album is just the one that resonates with me the least. So it's very funny that this is the one that has wormed its way into Mark's subconscious. Like objectively, I I recognize that it's good. It's just not my favorite. So it's very funny that this is the one that has gotten to you, for lack of a better word. Yeah, and it's not even like it's it's not even like I like it that much. Like I don't even know. It's weird. It's it's very weird. It's a yes, good like we have been we have listened to it a lot and I don't want to. Yeah. And it keeps Catchy. happening. Well, okay, so let's just let's let's back up here. <laughs> so one of the girls I've been seeing off and on for like the past two months, very, <laughs> very casually. Real humble brag there, Mark. No, 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 no. I'm I'm not <laughs> kidding. Like like real casually. Um like basically pretty much more friends than anything but regardless is a huge taylor swift like crazed fan Mm -hmm. and um i was like i don't i don't care um like i got nothing against taylor swift i i have plenty against a handful of her songs there are a handful taylor swift songs i truly despise um and that's not going to change but it's like fine whatever but she's like, you have to listen to the last like two albums. And it's like, why? Because they're better. All right, sure. So I listened to Evermore and I was like, this is the most depressed I've ever been listening to an album in my life. <laughs> this fair. is like brutal. It's like, this is miserable. I can like objectively it's good. I can understand mm-hmm. that. It's well put together. It's well sung. It's well written. This is not fun to listen to. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, my favorite song by far is the one with the national on it. Cause I didn't realize the national was a huge uh, producer with her and I freaking mm-hmm. love the national. So, uh, yeah. And that is a great, like that style. Yeah. That's that the national. The national are the most depressing band in the history of the world. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, so I like that song. Um, but I didn't really care. Uh, then I listened to folklore, which was better. Mm-hmm. for sure but still it's like mm-hmm. it's one of those things where like I can, i'll listen to like three or four songs and i'm like okay i'm done with this like it's clearly yeah. good but like 
it's not my thing. So I get bored. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then this stupid red album came out. Cause I know that she's doing all the re-recording, which is funny. Um, I do think it's funny that everyone's acting like she discovered this where so many other bands have done this exact same thing for almost the exact same reason. But because like she's Taylor Swift and is way above everyone, it's like a bigger she's, deal. She's very good. It's okay. Hang on. I don't mean to cut you off midstream and I'm not trying to segue ham handedly back into the show, but genuinely <laughs> becoming a pro wrestling fan and seeing how good Taylor Swift is at self promotion. True. Genuinely gives me a new appreciation for her because you're right. A lot of like she could just re-release them and be like, oh, yeah, I own them now. But she promotes them. She's making like short films about different yeah. songs. She releases all these crazy posts with different Easter eggs. Like yep. she loves to work her audience and her audience loves to get worked. And I'm not the guy who like goes and solves the crossword puzzle that has the track listing to all the ex- the special <laughs> songs that she releases. But she sits down and is like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then these people are going to go nuts for it. She's like Dusty Rhodes, but of music. So, no, you're absolutely right. I'm like, as soon as I was doing this, I was like, Def Leppard did this 10 years ago because of the streaming thing. They literally re-recorded an album, a Greatest Hits album, just for streaming so that they wouldn't have to get screwed out of their other albums by putting them on streaming. I was like, this has been happening for years. But, uh, But because it's way more high profile, it's then like this revolutionary thing it's like well it's really not because it's not really a great idea for most people because you're you're gonna make yourself really hard to work with with record labels if you're doing (laughs) stuff like this so you know right i don't think other bands should necessarily be taking this and running with it because it's not gonna work out well because they're not taylor swift yeah you definitely have to be big enough to pull it off but red is (laughs) Red is definitely more upbeat musically than those the last two. I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah, and again, I don't know. I don't like all of it, but I, I don't know. I keep listening to this stupid thing. And there's like a handful of songs I really do like. Now, I will say um, the uh, the that All Too Well song is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard ever. Mm-hmm. That is one of the best songs I've ever heard. Like that is one of the most well-written pieces of music I've ever listened to and I've listened to it probably 300 times in like the past week. Oh, like the full version. I never, the music doesn't change. I was like, there's no way this can be fun to listen to. It's the same thing. It's like we didn't start the fire for like 10 minutes long. (laughs) It never changes. There's no way this can be interesting. Nope. Yes, it is because her yeah. her like descriptive writing is incredible in that song. Yep. And uh yeah, it's it's by far the best breakup song I've ever heard. I wish I had known this song like 5 months ago. But yep. uh that would have been a huge help. But um mm-hmm. yeah, no, it, it it's spectacular. And and the short film that came out was fantastic. It was it was incredible as oh, well. Man. So well I... done. I'm so proud of you, buddy. No, I had a friend. I had a conversation with a friend of mine about this album. To be perfectly honest, it's much more about that song than it really is the whole album. If I'm being no, honest, no. Listen, I had a conversation with a friend of mine a, a couple weeks ago in anticipation of this album being released. You know, re-released. That's what I meant to yeah, say. Yeah, and yeah. and we were talking about it, and I was saying like this album has always been like. I've never I don't think it's bad. I think the only bad album she has is her self-titled one, like the first one she did when she was like 14. Yeah, that's unlistenable. 
it's it is it is it's heinous but like this one i can tell is good there's just not that much there for me lyrically but the other thing that i was talking to my friend about is all too well is the fifth song on the album and it just breaks the entire album like you can't do like there's a couple other good songs on that album, like songs that I like. I You know, I, I get why people like it, but there's a couple other songs on there that even I will say, oh, yeah, this is really good. I like this song. You can't like it. It breaks the entire album because it is, in my opinion, the greatest breakup song ever written. And you can't like. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, it, yeah, it might you be. You can't just keep going after that. No, you just can't. Like nope. it is its own thing. Yep. And it's funny because like. I, in my opinion, I would say this album is to me the most forgettable of the ones she's made. But that song is objectively maybe the best song she's ever written. Is the best breakup song I've ever heard. Is one of the best things we've ever created, like as a species. <laughs> it's okay, just, I'm not gonna go that far, but it it it, it was no, it it's it's fantastic. No, uh, that song's great. This red is great. Never is ever good. getting back together is an absolute banger. Yeah, it's fun. And I forgot. There's like two or three more that I really, really liked. I don't remember what they were. I'm but, partial um, to 22. No, nope, Treacherous, personally. Hate I think those two are good. It. That is one of the handful of Taylor Swift songs I despise with every fiber of my being. That's fair. It's like That's a couple notches better than like, Shake yeah, It Off. This, like this was always going to be the single. This was always going to be the pop single. Oh, 100%. And most of those songs I hate. Yeah, most most of them, not all of them. Like I think never, never, ever getting back to there was that was a single. Oh, and there's what was the other big pop single from that album? I like that song too. Um, you uh uh, wait, I need to pull. I I don't how do I what it how, was. Do, how do I not remember? I remember twenty two and we are never ever ever getting back together. I mean, stay 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 is like a fun cute song. And that song's that fine. No no no, but that's not the one. That's I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Uh, I don't love that one. I, I think that might that might be it. That was the other big single. That I think, one I was never as into. I think that was. Was that it? That was it. That that's the one they like made like was. all the vines out of before there was TikTok. Like, yeah, that's that's the one. Maybe that's what it was. I don't remember. That, that, yeah, I think that. I think that. Anyway, I like that song too. But there was definitely a couple. I'm like, wait a minute, I know this song. Because <laughs> I've heard every Taylor Swift single because everyone who's lived has just been yeah. forced fed. It. I had this. So you talk about the re-releases. I didn't have this experience because I wasn't as into this album. But when she, so like, you know, she's been working her way through and I don't think she's going in release order. I think she's kind of doing it based on. Well, she's not because she did Fearless and then Red. Right. When she thinks the marketing will fit, you yeah. know, more than anything. But she did Fearless first, and I remember – so, like, I – the Fearless and Speak Now, I tore through a ton. Red, I, I was like, kind of hit or miss on, I, and I've loved really everything like she's done since. But I have these really distinct, like, high school and college-age memories of driving around my hometown and driving between my hometown and Athens, listening to those two Taylor Swift albums in particular, and Fearless a lot. And when she re-released that one time – I don't know if it was for a work thing or I was just visiting friends, but I was driving home from Athens and listening to this re-recorded version of Fearless. Mm -hmm. And I had this weirdest sense of like – it felt like I was in a music video or something, like this weirdest sense of musical deja vu because you're listening yeah. to all the songs you listened to 10 years ago. 
but you and you think about like how much you've changed as a person in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. and also the person singing it is singing it 10 years after she wrote and released it and she's changed so much and you can hear it in her voice like she sings it differently and it was just this weird combination of like familiarity and difference in the same context for the same songs and it really threw me for a loop. It gave me this weird sense of deja vu. I haven't had that with Rhett at all because I didn't have the same like emotional connection to it. But it's been very funny to like see everyone relive their, you know, late high school, early college experiences. And it's yeah. gonna be funny to see that keep happening. Like if she re-releases her first album, I really hope she does that terrible accent all the way throughout, just for consistency. It will be unlistenable. But I just I would respect her a lot more if she didn't pretend that didn't happen. You know, you got to own that. that. That's funny. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. It'll just be our song 11 times. She's like, yeah, that was the only one. I'm pretty sure that was it. We're good. Moving I on. No, I didn't listen to any of that. I don't I don't I don't know any of those any of that it's, stuff. It's, but. Not, it's, it's the most like. It's the most transparently country, and it was before she really like found her groove as a songwriter. So like right, the next true. three albums are like pop country, where like it's there, but it's a Taylor Swift album first, and then it's got like this kind of pop country influence to it. And then like everything she's done since then, it's the same thing. Like it's a Taylor Swift album and yeah. it's a pop album. It's a Taylor Swift album, and it's this weird kind of angsty thing it's a taylor swift album and it's a pop album it's a ta- it's two taylor swift albums and they've got all this folk influence of production on them yeah. the first one is the only one where it is clearly like a 16 year old trying to make a country music album and she doesn't have like any sense of herself yet so it's interesting <laughs> like as a historical artifact but it's not it's not good yeah. there's like i think our song is good because it's like cute and fun but it's not a you know it's not songwriting like all too well or anything i mean there's nothing like that that's fair that's so fair. we have that to look forward to we'll review that episode no we won't <laughs> no no we won't this is this I'm is so definitely a one-time thing uh that's for sure it'll grow on you man no no nope <laughs> nope Nope, it's one time thing. We'll appreciate Folklore this. Folklore and Evermore. This will be the last thing I say, unless you want to keep talking about it. Perfect music for right now. Like the Red re-release has been fun. Folklore and Evermore to me are perfect, like soup season music. Like it's it's cold. You're bundled up. A lot of them are pretty sad. The production. You got people like the National and Bon Iver on there. It's just it's like a big it's like a big flannel shirt for your ears. I love it. I'm really but like if the albums. flannel shirt was like trying to suffocate you to death. So here's the thing. It's pretty it, it's pretty grim, but those are also the two like folklore is not nearly as grim as Evermore. Correct. Evermore is a lot. But those Gosh, are the that's two hard to like to. The, I like them because those are the two like least autobiographical albums she's ever written. That's except for true. Maybe her first one. That's the thing true. about Red is that's all about like real stuff that yep. she went through. Folklore and Evermore is fascinating because it's literally like taking like Taylor Swift's best strength is her songwriting and her lyrics and her ability to either capture the emotions that she's feeling or like concoct them up, like sit down, like even in her earlier album, she's like, okay, let me imagine. I just went through this and I'm really, you know, like tell a story. 
Folklore and Evermore are really cool because she wrote them in 2020 when nobody could go anywhere or do anything. So she was just stuck in the house Mm -hmm. and had to like daydream and use her imagination and be inspired by stuff she was reading and thinking about. So it's her least like autobiographical album. And it's a lot of stuff. It's just her kind of cooking. It's just Taylor Swift being shut in the house with everyone else and forced to do what she does best, which is just create some really compelling stories. So I like it for that reason, because most of the time, it's not like anybody. No, no animals were harmed in the making of those two albums, <laughs> as opposed to something like Red, where you're like, no, you felt that, like that happened. Yikes! That's, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, so for, I apologize for the few people that were still listening that are now gone. Yeah. So now we are talking to nobody um, before we even Watch get it. into the wrestling part of this show. <laughs> um, but that's fine. I knew it was going to happen. It was I, I just I knew this was going to happen. So it's just it is what it is. <laughs> and I just accepted it. So hopefully all of y'all did, too. And, yeah. you know, he, here we are. Uh, go listen to All Too Well, the full version, if you haven't already. It's one of the greatest yeah. songs that I've ever heard. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Wrestling, all Ooh, elite yeah. wrestling, AEW yeah. even, full gear happened. Uh, this is going to be a really weirdly done episode. I, I'm probably just going to put this out on Monday, like our normal schedule. So Rampage has already happened. I don't know what happened because we're recording this before oh, Rampage. crap. Well, I've only watched like half of Dynamite because I was catching the yeah. pay-per-view. I, I did so, watch Dynamite. Sorry, I, I did watch Dynamite. Okay. So we can talk about that, uh, you know, okay. the kind of what seems to be a few of the directions post full okay. gear. But um, well, let's just um, let, let, I mean, let's, let's jump just... into full gear, because uh, to be honest, okay. there's really only a couple of things I want to talk about it. If I, I'm honest, if I'm being honest. And, okay, and so... the thing I want to talk about the most is the first match of the show, um, okay. because it was the best thing on the show by far. Um, mm. Look, the, the hangman thing was awesome. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought that was really, really well done. Uh, I thought it was great. And we'll definitely mm-hmm. talk about that. Um, it pales in comparison to how good Darby Allen and MJF mm. were. Like mm. it, it, it's not even close. Like to be perfectly honest, it was one of the. It, I don't know how to word this correctly because saying like worst is wrong. Um, it was one of the least enthralling Kenny Omega matches I've seen in a, of this past few. And I think part of it is just because we kind of all knew Hangman was going to win. So maybe that has something to do with it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it like Daniel Bryan, Kenny Omega was a million times better than Hangman mm. and Kenny Omega. Like it just the, the pacing of it, everything just wasn't quite as good as some other Kenny Omega matches. Again, I'm not really sure why, because it was all kind of more about the end moment, which is perfectly fine. Totally understandable. And they nailed that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so it, it got the job done for sure. But as far as a match goes, the best match of the show by far was Darby Allen and MJF. Like it, it was brilliant. And these two guys showed, I mean, MJF in particular is, is probably the best wrestler right now in AEW. Like just as far as total package goes, Mm-hmm. The dude's the best talker for sure. He brings out mm-hmm. the most most emotion out of everybody, and it's not close. Uh, I mean, obviously Punk is phenomenal, and he's up there, but he does not bring the emotion that MJF does. Like he brings out the most out of every crowd he's in front of. He's one of the few people that gets legitimate heat in all of wrestling, 
you know, that isn't just like, oh, we hate you because we're stupid yep. fans and we think you're John Cena. So boo, like Cody. Anyway, um, and uh, <laughs> and he is one of the best in the ring, but he's so smart. He never does that because mm-hmm. he wrestles like a coward chicken shit heel. Mm-hmm. And so he's not looking great in the ring. Except when he does. We saw that when he wrestled Sammy Guevara. We saw that when he wrestled Jungle Boy. The certain times he's like, no, at least for a part of this match, I'm going to mm-hmm. show that I am actually one of the best wrestlers. <laughs> and then he does. And we got all of it in this match. We had them just show off their stuff brilliantly. And we saw one of the best told stories of a match Mm-hmm. in uh i don't know since daniel bryan omega a few months ago like the story told was just brilliant mjf hurt his knee that was a th- thread throughout the whole thing where he was sacrificing himself because he hated darby so much he's like i want to hurt this guy so bad i will hurt myself throughout this match like it was so well done it, it was awesome everyone looked good darby 100 should have lost he 100% should have lost by cheating. Like, it was yep. perfect. Everything was perfect. MJF needed a win after they screwed him with the Jericho feud. Like, mm-hmm. everything about it, it could not have been any better. It's one of the best story, And this was one of the few storylines that had actually been built for the past couple months. And not just thrown together at the last minute. Where they had been legit, like, <clears throat> consistently cutting promos on each other for months. Mm-hmm. And then we have this, and it was just perfect. It was it was awesome, Harris. I loved this match. Dude, I think you nailed it. I don't have too much to add. I think the most important thing. So there's... there's. Oh, yeah, sorry. And the ending was even oh. better because the whole thing, he was like, I can beat Darby with a headlock. And then he knocked him out with a ring and then did it with a headlock takeover and then pinned him. So now he's just going around saying, I beat him yeah. with a headlock. It's awesome. So, so I, so I've, I've been catching up on this show. Like I said, I was out of town over the weekend. So that's why I missed it in the first place. And that's why this is all so late. I will, I will be honest. I was trying to watch dynamite last night. So I said, okay, let me go ahead and watch the matches. Like with the storylines I'm most invested in and the ones that I want to see followed up with on dynamite so there's going to be three or four moments during this pay-per-view where i say oh that was a great storytelling moment like the ones i'm most invested in Mm -hmm. this is one of them and i think the the difference between this match and the other matches mark you nailed is that this is the one that's been built perfectly up until this point and like the main event was good and it was fun if we had been recording instead of watching and or celebrating or recovering from the Braves World Series victories in the last few weeks, I would have pointed out on a couple different episodes, the build to the main event has been pretty lackluster. It, wasn't it did great. not feel like and this is big what I said. I've been saying have. this the whole time and I've been mm-hmm. in the minority of all the Internet wrestling community morons who I'm it's hating you and more me, buddy. and more. And uh, no, as soon as he came back, made his big return, and then won the number one contendership, I was like, this is dumb. I'm sorry. You lost your momentum, and you got to build this back up. And well, well, clearly they didn't because the crowd doesn't care. So, I mean, I guess they don't yeah. have to. But at well, least for can... me, 
I wanted to see the way they built it up before. It, yeah, to me, it kind of stopped, and you know, it's not going to take that long. But just put some a little bit more effort into it. And yeah. It's like they just kind of were like, "Nope, we already have our momentum, so we're just going to roll with that." And it's like, eh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it worked. Well, tech, I mean, with the crowd, I, I mean, it worked. Yeah. I guess, but but we can we can kind of go in order a little bit here. But this first match, this was the one that nailed it. Like as soon as MJF's feud with Chris Jericho ended, you could tell. And and it became clear he was feuding with Darby. You said, okay, yeah. perfect. Like, this yep. is great. I love that this is like – I almost love that it's the first match because it just signifies like, okay, they're quote-unquote like lower card right now or mid card right now. But like it it feels kind of like watching Rock and Austin wrestle for the Intercontinental title. Yeah, kind of. In the of. early it, – it's similar vibes to me. I know these guys wrestled other places before, but for somebody who doesn't follow the indies, like these are this this is an AEW talent. Yeah, this is not ex WWE guys coming in and fighting other people. And those will be some other matches tonight that I loved. But this, this is pure AEW. This is the kind of thing that like when I take my friends who don't really follow AEW to Dynamite in a couple of weeks, these are the people that I'm excited about them seeing. Like yeah. these are the people that are going to make new wrestling fans out there. And you're right, the match is great. So I've, I've pulled up the pay-per-view and I've been jumping around a little bit. I'm re-watching this match now. I love, this is going to be a theme for me tonight. I love, like, just the, the really pure and simple but perfectly executed character moments. Mm-hmm. I love, like, first of all, that these two guys would not like each other at all, right? Like, they just wouldn't. Like, it's a very natural feud. There's a lot of feuds in wrestling where one guy will like interrupt another person's promo and you're like, Oh no, here we go. But when MJF called out Darby Allen, you know, it makes sense for so many reasons. And I love that the angle coming into this match was, well, look at some point I'm, I'm the best wrestler in this company. At some point, Darby Allen's going to do something stupid and knock himself unconscious. Like I'm the better (laughs) technical wrestler. And that's a great challenge for Darby Allen. Darby's got to like out, like he's going to be a daredevil, right? He always will be. But he can he be a better technical wrestler? That's a fun thing to come in and kind of in kayfabe keep an eye on. And then, of course, like you said, it ends with just this great spot where MJF brings the chair into the ring. No, the, the chair skateboard. Or the skateboard. I forget. Okay, I'm sorry, I forgot. I this was the first thing that I watched, so I watched it like two days ago, and I've I've been trying to catch up ever since. Brings the skateboard into the ring. And I just I thought he was going to like try to Eddie Guerrero it or something. I was genuinely like he worked me. I was like, what is he doing? What is he doing? And then he gives it to Darby. He's like, come on, just do it. Just do it. And Mm -hmm. you can see they they tried to play with this a similar spot in another match in the show, which we'll get to. But you can see how much Darby wants to do it. And you can see him have to fight to turn down that animal instinct and try to win the match instead of just kill the man he's fighting. And then MJF cheats and knocks him out and wins with a headlock. And you're like, well, that's, yeah, that's the perfect result <laughs> for everyone involved. Gosh darn it, MJF, you're the worst. But it that's, is. it was just the truest possible thing that could happen. So, yeah, it was brilliant. I'm, this is, hmm. Well, this is, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit here. This is half of what I'm most excited about going forward. Uh, cause I haven't seen it on the episode yet, but I know who MJF's facing next yeah. and I cannot wait for that, Mark. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about I that think, later. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so you want to keep going? Yeah. Lucha Brothers FTR didn't watch 
Uh, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen, so I don't care. I quit uh, about five minutes in once there were no rules. And I was like, I, well, I'm out. Like, I'm sorry. I'm at the point now with AEW in a tag match, especially with Rick Knox, who never does a damn thing. Uh, I'm like, once they're all four in the ring for at least, you know, 10 minutes straight, I'm out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't care how good the match is. I'm mm-hmm. checked out and I do not care, which we will get to uh, in the opposite a little bit later on. But uh, okay. I'm so so unfortunately, that. I'm sure everyone was like, oh, it's greatest match ever because AEW fans are idiots um, and they don't care about <laughs> anything except for just flip floppy moves, which is so ironic. Mm. And again, FTR, you think, no, do better. But no, they've kind of they've kind of just given in and they just do the AEW crap and they don't yeah. do their stuff. And it's very disappointing. And I love the Lucha Brothers, but they have to be with someone who's going to ground them. And you think the FTR yeah. would would they've been those guys before and they're not anymore. And so, uh, nope, yeah. don't care. Yeah, it's so. I'm. It's funny to hear. You I think say that. Lucha so Brothers I won. Said, I honestly didn't watch. When I said I'm, the first things I made a point to go watch were the ones that had like storyline implications that I wanted to see followed up on on Dynamite. Even though I didn't finish Dynamite, this was the first one that I skipped. I was like, right, this yep. is going to be crazy, and I'm pretty sure nothing that wild is going to happen. And I was exactly right. Like, yes, I was. I was honestly watching it as we started recording and I watched the whole thing while we were talking about the Braves and Taylor Swift. It was pretty insane. <laughs> I didn't have a bad time, certainly, but at no point was I was like, oh, this is a really well-crafted story. It was just crazy Lucha stuff happening for like 20 minutes. Yep. And then, um, yeah, and then the Lucha Brothers won. I thought I saw FTR win by pinfall at one point because I saw a three count. I don't but even know. It was on mute, so maybe nobody was counting. You're right. It's clear. It's just chaos. And I don't know, man. I it's I can't really complain about a crazy work rate because work rate isn't really what I'm most interested in. But you feel like FTR should be like the whole reason they work yep. is because they're a tra- they're the brain busters. Mm-hmm. They're a traditional old school tag team that doesn't let you do all your crazy stuff mm-hmm. because they take advantage of the actual tag team rules. And when it's just chaos it doesn't it doesn't really work for me but whatever it's fine we move on i don't care uh all right now we have another match i was really looking forward to brian danielson and miro now this one had no story either but it was part of a tournament so it's like that's fine that you can get away with that with a tournament it's fine um that match was fun i mean i enjoyed it a lot those guys are great they put on a good match I was surprised like everyone else, kind of. I was a little surprised Miro lost, but I wasn't shocked. Like so many people were mm-hmm. shocked. And I was like, well, it's Brian Danielson. Like, yeah, come on. You know, how can I, I was I was honestly kind of confused watching the match. I was like, who's going to lose? I was like, mm. how could someone lose? Like, because with Darby and MJF, I thought that, too. But it was like, well, MJF can cheat, you know, and win and you can get away with that. With this, you can't really do that. So I was kind of wondering. But then Miro, you know, had an injury and stuff. So, you know, they kind yeah. of played that into it. Um, and so all things considered, I thought it was done well. I thought Miro looked good. I kind of agree with everyone else. He probably should not have lost a TNT championship, especially that they've done absolutely nothing with Sammy Guevara. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably a mistake. But as far as this match goes, I thought these two guys are great. And they put on a really solid match. I thought it was a really solid, like, middle card pay-per-view match. Yeah, I thought it was a blast. I think it's really fun. So I just talked about two, like, AEW homegrown talents, or as homegrown as they get. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to see kind of the opposite, to see two, not one, but two ex-WWE talents now yeah. doing their own AEW thing in a way that 
it is better and also just has a lot more goodwill because you know like they have a hand in the process and i trust brian danielson and miro to be interesting characters and tell a good story in terms of like the booking of the match i really liked that but i'll tell you the other thing that i do love well their styles work so well together oh definitely well you have you know the one yeah, guy who just have... beats the crap brutally out of someone and then you have yes. you know one of the best technical wrestlers of this generation right well so i love so in ring i love what they did with that i love that there, there's a spot like maybe three quarters of the way through where miro just like starts no selling and yeah it works in real life but it works in kayfabe too because you're like okay i'm sure that hurt but he's proving to brian danielson that he's not gonna like crack you know mm -hmm. and he's firing himself up too and Brian just cracks him and kicks him, and punches him, and slaps him, and strikes him, and kicks him, and all this crazy stuff. And it's so clear how much bigger and stronger Miro is. But then Daniel Bryan still finds a technically sound way to beat him. And that was perfect. And I know, I, I guess, again, I wasn't watching live. I'm, I, I can see some people saying Miro should have won or shouldn't have lost the TNT title. I get that. I think Miro is such a good character that he can lose and sell the loss well and still be interesting and not just look like a schmuck. Because here's the thing. I agree Sammy Guevara hasn't done anything interesting with the TNT title. I don't care about that. Miro is losing his mind right now. Mm -hmm. And that's great. I absolutely love that. Miro had – and I Miro, I knew Miro was going to lose this match because Miro is on a mission to fight and kill God. And I don't know what he's going to do now, <laughs> but it's going to be insane, and I can't yep. wait to see it. I yep. tell you that right now because he, he went from like – he was doing this fun thing already, right? Where like the first thing he said when he turned on, um, on Kip Sabian, like he said, I forgive you. And then he broke his arm and wrote him <laughs> off the TV. And then he's been killing people in title matches. And after every match, he says, hey, this person's been forgiven. And you're like, right, this guy's got some crazy stuff going on. And then when he lost the title, he starts cutting promos, like, not about how God has forsaken him, but about how, like, God has turned his back on his favorite champion. And if he doesn't give Miro back the title soon, he should be afraid of Miro, not the <laughs> other way around. I don't know what he's going to do next, but I think it's great. I'm very interested. I think the right person won. And I'm I'm very excited about everything that's going to happen next for both of these guys. Basically, yeah, me too, me I too for it. sure. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. All right, moving on. This is my second favorite match of the show: uh, Jurassic Express, Christian Cage versus uh, uh, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. I did not expect that this was going to be my second favorite match of the show. Um, yeah. I, again, you know, we we hate the Young Bucks. It's very Correct. very apparent. Um, however. The only time the Young Bucks work is in a match with no rules. So as soon as it was like this, a false kind of match, I was like, okay, good, bet. Here we go. This is the Young Bucks. I'll probably be okay with them. And I was. Yeah. It was, uh, Harris, this was, it wasn't perfect by any means. I'm not going to say, I wouldn't say this was the second best match of the show by any means, <laughs> but it was probably my second favorite. This I just had a lot of fun watching this car crash of a match. I thought as far as car crash matches go, they did a really good job. Say what you will, like we do about the Young Bucks. They could put on car crash matches in their sleep. And uh, when the rules or lack thereof work, <laughs> that match works. And this mm -hmm. was one of those examples. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy are like the two greatest things in AEW and they need to be treated like it. I like that at least Jungle Boy is. I wish Luchasaurus would be. It's frustrating that they just keep sidelining him so mm -hmm. much. Even in this match, kind of. Um, 
I mean, he had some big spots, which was awesome. We'll talk about the shooting star press spot, which was great. But um, but I thought this was fun. I thought the directing was abysmal in this match. <laughs> oh, there were so many things missed where I'm like, wait, what what happened? Wait, what? Especially near the end. Like there was one part where I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. Again, it's hard to even remember how it ha- took place because it was so poorly mm-hmm. shot. Um, there was a moment when they were going down the ramp and Christian was fighting someone. Then all of a sudden the guy who was fighting was like beating up jungle boy and Christian was nowhere to be seen. And I'm like, he was right there. Like what, <laughs> what happened? What? And then all of a sudden he comes flying in out of nowhere. It's like, what, what is going on? So there was several things missed. Uh, so the directing eh, was not great, but I thought this match was fun. I liked the story told with jungle boy becoming a bad boy kind of i thought that was fun you know him the uh, christian being like come on hit him with the chair it's a no rules match like let's go yeah. and then him still not wanting to do it and kind of pansying out and then getting another chance at the end and then then doing it and he gets to be the one to finish it because at one point near the end when they did that uh uh triple uh knee uh, uh thumbtack knee spot on luchasaurus i was like no they're gonna make him take the pin again like of all the people taking the pins it should be christian like no and then then he then uh jungle boy broke it up i was like yes and then and then you know he got the big moment in the win which i thought was i thought it was great i thought that's the perfect way to end a match like this i was surprised they had the um young bucks and adam cole lose again for the second pay-per-view in a row mm-hmm. um but uh, I mean, they don't need to win. Like, if anyone can get away with that, it's definitely them. So it's... I, I thought that was all really well done. Um, I thought, again, it was it was sloppy. It wasn't the most cleanly executed match, necessarily. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of, not botches by any means, but just a couple of kind of just like, yeah, that was a little off, or that wasn't maybe great, or that was kind of meh. But overall, it was fun. Again, the no rules makes it fun. And the mm-hmm. uh, the the overall story with Jungle Boy being the focus of the match, as he should be, I thought was yeah. done really well. So I enjoyed this a lot. And Luchasaurus did a shooting star press off the ramp, <laughs> and it was awesome. And look, I am very much against the giant guys doing moves like this because I think it cheapens them. And I really mm-hmm. wish they realized this. Like, yes, it's incredibly amazing that these guys can do these moves. But I agree with Jr. When you're that big, you shouldn't have to. Like every time Lance mm-hmm. Archer does that moonsault off the rope, yeah, it's like why you're like seven feet tall and huge. Like you could just like punch someone and take them out. Like mm-hmm. so, I kind of. But but that being said, in this spot, in a pay per view, in a big moment, that's the time to do it. And so, uh, mm-hmm. seeing it in that moment it was was a lot of fun. And yeah, I, I enjoyed this match. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Way more than I thought I would. It's astonishing how the addition of Adam Cole makes the elite as a faction, even a heel faction, so much more bearable and so much more interesting. And we'll talk about that from Dynamite. I think I know what it is. I I think I'm just kind of putting this together in real time as I'm talking. Like Kenny Omega, he he has to do a different thing from NJF to be a good heel, right? Because he's so darn entertaining in the ring that he has to go big as a character in a way that you're like, man, you're not even a cool bad guy. You're just a dork. (laughs) Like that's what he has to do to get to, to be a heel and the young bucks kind of the same thing. Like their offense is so crazy and their moveset is so crazy that they have to be the biggest bunch of like over the top wannabe cool guys in order for you to dislike them at all. 
Adam Cole works because he's friends with these dorks, but he actually seems cool. So he adds this different level of seriousness to them where you have to take them seriously, if, if that makes any sense at all. I, I think that's what it is. He just adds – they're not – he adds a little bit of gravitas that they kind of needed for me to not just want to change the channel. Because even though I hate the Young Bucks, I'm still like, yeah, but Adam Cole's pretty cool. I don't know. I just – I think it really, really works for them as a faction because you still want to see when he squares up with Jungle Boy. You want to see Jungle Boy smash him. But I'm way more invested in that than I am in watching them just fight the Young Bucks every week. So I don't yeah. I don't know. That's just – the chemistry he brings to them now is really, really good. I do kind of like that he and the Again, Bucks – Again, I want to talk about that because, about Dynamite because it got even better. OK. Well, I, see, I haven't seen that part yet. But here, so let's just – Okay, well, I guess we can. We don't have to go in order yet because there's a few matches that will have ramifications on Dynamite. Some yeah. of these things overlap. But I really – there was a moment where they literally said it. Like when Jungle Boy was squaring off against Adam Cole, they were fighting. Somebody on commentary was literally like, could we be looking at the future here? And I was like, well, I think you mean like a future championship match or something. Like this is just, this is just what's happening. They're fighting. But I knew what he meant because I was like, yeah, I want to see Adam Cole and Jungle Boy in a singles feud at some point. That would be really fun. Yep. But yeah, so that was great. I thought the thing trying to get him to hit the concerto was a little weird it during was. the match. It because, was. Well, and here's why. Because I've been traumatized by bad booking because what that immediately reminded me of was the terrible WWE storyline where they were like, what if we take Alexa Bliss, a great heel, and pair her up with Bailey, a great babyface, and then we make the entire feud about whether or not Bailey will swing a kendo stick in an Extreme Rules oh, match? Yeah, bleh. and it was the worst thing I've ever seen because yeah. you're like, why? Would, I know she's nice, but canonically, she can still fight people. Like yep. it's not, it's not cheating. It's not a come from behind attack. Why wouldn't she? use the weapon that she got in the extreme rules match so that's what i thought they were doing with it and i was like oh this is stupid and then he actually did it and ended the match and yeah. i was like oh okay cool that was just character development that's all that was mm -hmm. okay so i liked it. it i i didn't get what they were doing in the moment but if you're gonna do that and then not like waste my time and have him in the match doing it. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for it. That was fun. I liked it. Yeah, I agree. In the moment, it was a little weird, but then when it did pay off in the end, it was like, okay, I, I get, I get what they were doing. Like I said, it wasn't always perfectly executed. The stuff in this mm -hmm. match, but overall, it was, yeah, it was entertaining, and it it ended with a good story moment. So yeah. I, uh, so that's I why still, I still um, I don't know if this bleeds in dynamite at all, but I. I really, really can't wait for Christian to turn on Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. That's going to be that will be fun. Money. That'll be fun. Money. Um. All right. Then we had the thrown together match of all thrown together matches with Cody Rhodes and Pack versus Malachi <laughs> Black and Andrade. Um. Okay. You want to know what's infuriating? Just before you go off on this, I I read online that the original and who knows how true this is, but I it makes sense that the original plan was to have this be a fatal four-way match. Mm, now, yeah. that would still be thrown together and not make a ton of sense in terms of kayfabe. 
But I would have liked that so much more than what we got. Yeah. Because there's not really any reason for these four guys to fight. No, like there's zero. On zero. On less than zero. But I, there's zero reason for any of them to tag up no. with one another. Now, the only thing I'll give them credit to is they knew that and they made that a part of the story. Where none of them were getting along as ta- as a tag team. And that right, was so the only good fight. part about this match. That was the only good thing. It was like, okay. We're actually improving tag team wrestling here where it's like yeah. if you're a team, you're good. If you're not a team, you're not good at it. So because so yeah. far we haven't seen that yet. And I liked that part. That's other than that. The match yeah. was just meh. like even just, with that, it did not need to be on a pay-per-view at all in any way, shape or form. I'll give them credit for doing the best with what they had. That's about all I can do. Yeah, I mean, they definitely just wanted to like. This was actually I, – I don't think it was like a horrible match. It wasn't. It, was it wasn't a, a very, horrible match. It was a very WWE decision where they were yes, like, all right, yes. look, we have a pay-per-view in two weeks. We have to get some of our biggest stars on there. We don't have a feud for them yet. But like the animosity, it was done well. But when I watch Cody and Pac like squibble on the corner, I'm like, I wish they would just fight. Yeah. I wish they would just square off a little bit. And then you're like, you can still have this running story. Or like Cody and Malachi Black hate each other because they do. And Pac and Andrade hate each other because they do. Like that's the whole conceit of making this a tag match. But you can still do that and have the other two people like getting in their way periodically. I just – I felt like that could have been done and would have been a little more interesting. But it's it's fine. Like if this is a filler match in a pay-per-view, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, and you know at the same time, contrary to what – a lot of people think like it does help to have a match like this thrown in there to just yeah. break up. I mean, you literally had, you know, the Darby and MJF, then the stupid Lucha Brothers FTR, but I'm sure it was exciting and everyone loved it because they're stupid. And then Brian Danielson, Miro, and then the crazy, you know, Falls Count Anywhere match, six man tag. So you kind of needed. Something mm. like this. And, and, you know, they wrestled. It was a wrestling match. It took place in the ring. You know, it was like that. And I appreciate all that. So you kind of do need this every now and then. Um, we'll talk about when it doesn't work later. But um, <laughs> so it was fine. It, it, it was fine. I, I don't I didn't hate it or anything. It just it was. Yeah, it was what it was. Uh, then we had the women's title match, which was again, it was it was fine. I like Tay Conti uh, or I like Tay Conti. I liked I like that they're trying to build up some other main yeah. event level stars that's always really good especially they need to in the women's division yeah. so that's good yeah. Britt baker's fine you know she's she's really good i enjoyed the match i thought the match was fun um i mean obviously the only problem is you just know conti's not going to win mm-hmm. so it's just hard mm-hmm. to really build a whole lot of suspense or that type <clears> of there so i wasn't really invested in this match but i enjoyed it and i thought they were good so uh, you know i liked it it was fine uh, just yeah, waiting for Thunder Rosa. I, just waiting for Thunder Rosa. Just Thunder yep. Rosa, Britt Baker. Do it. Mm. Make it happen. Make it the main event mm. of the show. Like, just Money. Let, let's go. Money. Um, Hang on. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the biggest thing you touched on, they made Conti feel like a big deal, like a main event talent. Yeah. And, yeah, that's what I really want to see more of. Also, I thought the, um, the, the, the video package with her doing the martial arts, that was really cool. That was yeah. a great way of kind of conveying to somebody who is a more casual fan why she's so dangerous mm-hmm. i'm into it keep keep it up good work yeah yeah good. i liked it uh then we had another great match eddie kingston cm punk now i'm sorry mm. this match mm. incredibly stupid this was the dumbest build-up of a match i've ever seen in my life 
I will give both these guys props because they went all in. They were like, all right, <laughs> we're going to make this work because we're professionals and we're good. So we're going to make this work with the stupidest built premise and buildup I've ever seen for a wrestling match. There was none. That's why it was so stupid. There was none. Nothing happened. There was no reason for these two guys to be mad okay, at each other. So- and they just were. And you're like, all right, fine. I mean, this will be a hard-hitting, fun match. And it was. And they both did okay. a great job. And I really lo- I really liked watching the match. So, yeah, you know, these so- two guys are great. So, I enjoyed it <laughs> I- a lot. Okay, so I low-key, like, I've been talking about, you know, like, simple or, like, really clean character moments throughout this whole show. Low-key, this might have been, high, like, closer to my list for match of the night if it weren't as short as it was because it was kind of on the it shorter was. side. It was shorter than I was expecting. I didn't mind that, Which is, though, because I think no, that I didn't fit either. with the I think they, match. I think they knew exactly what they were doing, and they, did, and they, didn't, they didn't feel the need to do, like, the Triple H thing where they come out and they make a 15 minute match a 30 minute match. Yeah, you know, they were yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we got a we got a solid 10. We're good. I kind of love the build to this feud and the, the like the video packages and the promos they were cutting on one another. I think might have been my favorite, maybe just how they were compiled in the pay-per-view at least might have been my favorite build of the show because the, I you kind of nailed it. Like there wasn't this great long-term storytelling here. I remember like the first thing I noticed about it was when punk was cutting his promo right after, um, John Moxley went to rehab and he was saying like, Hey, number one, I want to talk about John Moxley and, you know, gave a really serious promo. And then he segued perfectly into talking about Eddie Kingston. And I hadn't seen the episode of dynamite the week before that, Mm -hmm. but he was basically just like, Hey, Eddie Kingston, like shoved me backstage and I don't think that's very cool. So, like, what's up, Eddie Kingston? You got a problem? It felt like two people in real life who just don't like each other and never have. And I kind of like that it didn't but have sorry, to be But I'm sorry, I don't believe it. Like, that's the problem. I oh, don't I believe them. I kind of did. I believe them making that a part of the story. And maybe it is. But it yeah. felt so forced to me. I'm like, I just don't buy that these two people have not liked each other for like 20 years. I'm sorry. I just don't buy oh. it. Like, I just don't. And that's the way they were framing it. And with Kings, it's like, ah, oh, Punk was always this high and mighty person and hated Indies in the back and hated me in the past. And I'm like, I don't believe you. Like, I don't believe any of this. This was uh, this is all you guys trying very hard to make this a real story, <laughs> which is fine. I, I don't fault them for that when they're like, hey, yeah. you guys are wrestling in two weeks. It's like, uh, oh, OK, because that's stupidly what AEW has been doing very, mm-hmm. very a lot recently, which is just because they're like, ah, oh, we have really good wrestlers. They'll put on a great match. And they do yeah. like, to be fair, they do, but it's like, do better. Like you can do better. Like just cause I... you have these guys. And if you just throw them together, they're going to put on a good match. Doesn't mean you don't have to build a story. Like uh, you have time. I... So that's just I... the frustrating part, but these I guys did that. great I with just... what they were giving. I thought they, I, I bought into it, man. And some of that's just because like, yeah, punk is, is punk, but he's yeah. also, the cl- one of the most like you know wwe branded people like you see them yeah. on that show and you think oh right i know him he wrestled you know what i mean mm-hmm. and kingston is just the complete opposite of that true and i it, it just it i mean you know some of this is just because i don't know that much about kingston and his career and i've never really thought about the two in the same circle but that is a matchup that i saw and i was like well that's yeah, I guess I haven't really seen that before. And it's not like Brian Danielson or Colt Cabana or all these other people that I've seen Punk fight with. I haven't seen him interact with Eddie Kingston. And I think they both sold it really well. And the way Punk is like, 
no, dude, like you, there's a reason you never did anything. And it's because you're kind of a loser. Like you're talented. But if you like, if I can do it and if Brian can, you know, I'm exaggerating here a little bit, but you can just hear him saying like, if I could do it and Brian could do it and Moxley can do it, like what's the common denominator there, man? It's, it's you. So don't give me this attitude. Like you've ever done anything. I love that. I really love like, I don't know. I think this is the match I could talk about the most because these are the two most interesting characters on the pay-per-view to me in that they're both likable and they're both like flawed people. And I just love that. I love that Eddie Kings, like this reminded me of the MJF match punk in his promo at the beginning, like in the video package is like, yeah, I'm, how am I going to beat Eddie Kingston? I He's going to beat himself somehow. Like, he just is. That's that's what he yeah. does. There's a reason yeah. he's never made it. You know, like it took him 20 years to make it here. And losing every big match he's ever had in AEW is all he's ever accomplished. And I was like, oh, shoot. that's. But I get that. Like, I love I love that Eddie Kingston just wears it all on his heart and that it's never – like, he's, he's a great underdog. Yeah, and he, he can keep losing these matches and never really lose any of that shine. And I love that Punk, without having to cross over and be a heel completely, over, even though I heard he got booed. I didn't really notice it on the broadcast, but I heard he got booed a little bit. I love that he can still be CM Punk and not be an open heel and still be like a proud person and just mm-hmm. be like, no, don't like, don't talk to me like that. Like you've ever done anything, Eddie Kingston. You haven't done it. Like, just be nice. All right. I love that he can be like back and back into wrestling and happy and love dynamite and love all elite wrestling. And still, when he crosses this guy backstage, be like, hey, man, don't talk to me that way. Like, I don't like you. we're going to fight. I just I don't know, man. I love that balance. I love that CM Punk in this match gets to be like kind of the almost the John Cena like this yeah. established championship caliber superstar fighting this just absolute bum it's really fun to see him kind of play that note and it wasn't quite like what i imagine his feuds with Jeff Hardy were like in WWE but there is very much this vibe of like i have my ish together and you don't so don't talk to me kind of vibe mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I liked all of that. I love that Eddie hit him dirty to start the match before the bell rang. Mm-hmm. It just absolutely yep. rung his bell. That was a great note. I think it protects punk because it, you know, can keep him like as an upper level wrestler in theory. I loved the match. I loved how quick it was. I read, yeah, um, me too. Tony Khan, apparently when he was addressing the fact that CM Punk got booed, said he didn't consider Punk a heel. It was kind of like the rock getting booed at WrestleMania X eight. I don't think the match was that good, but that is definitely the vibe I got from it. They're like, look, we got a clean story. We're going to get in. We're going to get out. And that's what they did. It was perfect. And then the last thing I love that Punk won and did the John Cena thing (laughs) and went for the handshake. Yeah. Like knowing that that was knowing like with punk you get the feeling that he knows in a way that john cena in kayfabe doesn't punk knows when he offers to shake that guy's hand that that's like the meanest thing he can do to him yeah and that's why yeah. he does it but eddie kingston is to, is still too proud to shake his hand and i love it man i think eddie kingston is a fascinating wrestling character because eddie kingston the fictional person is so flawed mm-hmm. but he just keeps going for it and it's a lot of fun to watch I like I said, if this had gone a little bit longer, this might have been my match of the night. 
But the fact that they didn't just makes me appreciate them and the story so much more. So I, I had yeah. a blast with this one. Yeah, I really did. I thought the length was perfect because it was just a yeah. brutal beatdown. Like, that's all it mm-hmm. was. It wasn't a match. Mm-hmm. It was just a beatdown. And Absolutely. I thought that was, uh, yeah, I thought that, yeah, I, again, I, I loved the match. I thought the match was great. These guys are awesome. And uh, yeah. and like I said, I think everything about it, the setup was really stupid, but it wasn't their <laughs> fault. Like, this was not their fault. They were given this rush crap at the last <laughs> minute, and they did the best they could, and they elevated it way more than it ever had any right to be because they're just both that good. Mm. And then uh, and then put on a fantastic match. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that match. Uh, oh, boy. Here we go. Um, All right. <clears throat> we gotta get ready to talk about this this uh this absolute <laughs> disaster um inner circle versus man of the year and american let's top team go. Harris, let's go without of the year without without <laughs> without hyperbole with not without anything this is the worst match aew has ever put on in the history of the company and it's not even close <laughs> This is the worst wrestling match I have ever seen in my entire life. Harris, this was so stupid. It was so pointless. It's the worst storyline in the history of AEW. Again, by Mm -hmm. a mile. Mm -hmm. It is the worst. Jericho needs to retire. I'm sorry. He's done. (laughs) He has had it. The last two things have been the worst storytelling I've ever seen from Chris Jericho. Where, Well, the one was an actual legit awesome thing that he just ruined with the MJF feud, which was really good at the beginning. And this was just absolute crap from the start. Uh, the only good part about any of this is... Uh, 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 what, what's, his, what's his name? Dan Lambert is awesome. He's the that only good game, part about he? this. He can talk and he is great. Um, that's the only thing I'll <laughs> give to any of this. And I feel so bad for Scorpio Sky. How that guy is. Fa- I don't know who he pissed off backstage, <laughs> but he pissed someone off because this dude was like number one contender, up and coming star a year ago, title matches, all this stuff. And now he's in the worst match in the history of this company. I, I feel so and Ethan Page Ooh. too deserves better because he I like him a lot too. I like both of them. Like I liked it when it was just them two. And I liked their mm-hmm. stuff with Darby. Like I, I thought they were I thought they were good and I thought they were fun. Um and I like you, you Dan Lambert. What? Like I didn't even mind it when Dan Lambert first came on because he's just so ridiculous. It just it kind of works. But once they brought in the inner circle and the whole top team and the whole thing, it's just like, what is happening here? Why? What is going on? What is the point? This is the worst. Harris, this was a street fight. This was a Minneapolis (laughs) street fight. You know those famous street fights in Minneapolis? On the apron, the whole first half of the match, tagging in and out. Yep. There's no rules to this match, Harris. Nope. This none. is when you can do your AW bullcrap. Yep. And they decided now we're gonna follow tag team rules. Not FTR mm-hmm. versus Lucha Brothers for our damn tag team titles. No, we're not gonna follow the rules here. We're gonna follow them in a street fight, no rules match. Harris. This is the worst thing AEW has ever done. 
by far, they should mm-hmm. be ashamed of themselves. Every mm-hmm. single person in here should be punished. And mm-hmm. Jericho needs to take a long hiatus and reevaluate his value <laughs> to the professional wrestling business. And I'm done. That's all I'm going to say. Man, that was that last sentence in particular was devastating and completely accurate. I'm just going to chip in a few things. Um, number one, you might have a prop. First of all, I just want to say. I enjoyed every minute of this build. It was a car crash every week. It wasn't good. I had a blast because it's very like we will be doing an episode about this feud at some point. Like that's how terrible this was. I remember like they. okay, like when they botched FTR versus the Young Bucks, that was bad. Like that was one of the few times we said, hey, W Bush League, like do better. Yep. But that was frustrating. This has been bad, and I can't stop watching every week. It's been bad and hilarious in a way that, like, with FTR and the Young Bucks, you're at least like, okay, well, it's just a tag feud. Like, they're just trying to tell a good championship story. I don't know what they were trying to do in this feud, Mark. I mean, it just genuinely nothing, seems like nothing. There was Chris nothing. Jericho nothing was happened. Like, I nothing want to was prove ha- that I'm still young and cool. Yes. That's the entire yes. feud. Yep. Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. And it's it kind of sucks because they were able to get Dan Lambert, who is apparently game, never knew that, to trot and trot all of his real life MMA fighters all over the country every week for this crap. Yep. So you're watching, you know, like Austin Vanderford, who's like the number one contender for the Bellator title, and He's Jorge Masvidal, and that dude's a stallion, man. Yeah. So like I, I said this on Twitter a few weeks ago, but like he got to the point where I was like. I hope they put him in the match and he just beats everyone up because he's the only he's the only person I'm rooting for at this point. Him and Paige. I'm like, sure, yeah, you you guys seem like you're having fun. Everyone else, what are we doing here, man? You might have a problem, Mark, when like two weeks out in a feud you've been building for weeks, two weeks out before your pay-per-view, the best promos in the segment are cut by Dan Lambert and Paige Van Zandt. And, and everyone else comes good. out looking like a doofus. And I'm sorry, Paige is terrible. And that's how that that's 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 how much worse that all whole thing is. I think Paige one of hers was good. One of hers was fine because she like I it was better than I expected. And maybe I was just so distracted by how unentertained I was by Chris Jericho, which I wasn't really expecting. But it was so clear that like they were writing all this crap for her to say, so Chris Jericho could be like, "Oh, you could take all five of us at once." And I'm like, Chris. You're 57, man. What are you doing? Like, that was a weird line when you said it to Stephanie McMahon in, like, 2002, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you were the same age. And now it just seems really clear that you wanted to insinuate that Paige Van Zandt would ever touch you. Like, that's what that felt like. It was very uncomfortable, but I couldn't look away, man. No, the the worst part, that wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was we're all sitting there and we're like, yeah, we see it. Who wrote this crap? Like, this yep. is one of the worst written. It's very WWE. Like, oh, yes. It was the most WWE thing AEW has done yet and in the worst way possible. Yep. And you're Whenever <laughs> you can see the terrible punchline coming. Mm-hmm. That, From like it, four lines that's away. That's just like yeah. the, oh, man, you're just sitting here. It's like a child wrote this. Like a child, it's, a dude, mentally challenged child wrote this, wrote this stuff for these guys. If Why? How was this, this approved? Feud. How, this is one of the times you're sitting there, you're like, 
Yeah. Clearly someone screened something. Like, it has to. And this made it. This made it. Dude, oh. I – it's funny because – okay, two things. One, on paper, if you told me, okay, pay, uh, sorry, Chris Jericho and the Inner Circle are going to get into like a gang war with American top team led by their big blowhard That's of a manager. already a big red flag where you're like, uh, bad idea because no one in Inner Circle aside from Jake Hager is even mm. like – uh, lasting more than three seconds with anybody on this other yeah. team. That's the problem. It's a bit, it's so mm-hmm. hard bringing in real fighters into wrestling for this reason. It's only worked a handful of times, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. And usually, and a couple times when it's worked, it hasn't been for wrestling, like Mike Tyson or something like that. Yeah. The only time it's really worked is is uh, Ken Shamrock mm-hmm. and maybe Kurt Angle, if you factor in the wrestling mm-hmm. aspect. Well, Ronda Rousey, right? Like, but oh, sure, duh, of course, actually, yeah, 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 duh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, it's very rare because most of the time you sit there and you're like, well, one, these guys aren't very charismatic because they're real fighters. That's already a problem. Right. Two, right. you know, they could absolutely annihilate anyone they're in the ring with at any moment they want to, and suspending mm-hmm. that is nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, you have mm-hmm. to be good to be able to suspend that. And Ken Shamrock and Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle are about the only ones who have been able to do that. Yeah, like, who are well, good and, enough to like, pull that off? And uh, these guys, I'm sorry, are not. I'll give credit to them. They tried. Those American yeah. top team, per- they, they gave it their all. They had some charisma, especially Dos Santos. You could tell he was putting an effort. You know, and all yeah. props to them. But just when you're going against a 52 year old Chris Jericho, and then you know five, you know five foot ten, 180 mm-hmm. pounds, Sammy Guevara, you're like. This just doesn't work. It no. the the Hager part is the only thing that makes it not just I guess that part of it a complete disaster. You're like, okay, this dude's a legitimate fighter. Fair enough. They have, they at least have him. But if you do that, they shouldn't have made it a street fight. They should have made it a tag match. Like like mm-hmm. and and I think they even knew that. That's why they tried to make it that at the beginning, which made <laughs> it even stupider. It but was, like, well, it was like they only had enough street fight stuff for like seven minutes well yeah that too but like you know if you had a one-on-one situation with like jericho versus desant or um hager versus Sant- or something, you could work in a few mm-hmm. decent things but when you just had it this the way they did it it was just like no a street yeah. fight are you kidding me the only chance wrestlers have is if it's a wrestling match like right it's just it should so have been a catch as catch can match <laughs> like, it was just so stupid it was so poorly thought out. It was terrible. From start to finish. So, like, again, I see oh, what man. the goal was. I see where they were going. I get it. Mm-hmm. But you were wrong yeah. on every every decision made was the wrong decision. Every single well, one. One thing that I maybe I'm forgetting. I'm pretty sure they never gave Austin Vanderford the microphone because they're like, look, you they can't did. like, oh, they gave they? him oh, one time and that. Paige immediately took it from him and was like, no man needs to talk to me. And I was like, wow, you literally cut the balls off your most devastating person out here. Why the hell would you do that? No, I was I shocked. Like, I'm sitting there. He's the only one holding a mic the entire segment. I'm like, oh, man, he's going to get to say something. No, this is don't interesting. Let him talk. I love that. And that's then they good. just took. That's, no, that's no but there's be. a difference between not letting him talk and cutting his balls off. Like, I think. No. I, I think uh, – sorry, I'm formulating this in real time as well. That couple should be the closest thing we have to root to uh, Rusev and Lana in real life, except they're both American. But yeah, anyway, fair. okay, the that's last fair. two things I'm going to say here. Number one, you take 
it's very funny that you and I spent like 45 minutes talking about Taylor Swift and the Braves, and we still consistently rip the AEW fan base. But I'm going to do it again here. If this feud was happening in WWE, people would be crapping on it every single week. Yep. Yep. And I did not hear a whole lot of that at any point in time. So mm-hmm. you guys are as much to blame for this as Chris Jericho is. Yep. That's number one. Number two. Chris Jericho, you clear like clearly set this feud up. Yep. To put himself into like compare himself with Dan Lambert, who to his eternal credit was down. He knew what his job was. It was to be this dork that we all hate and want to make fun of every week. He did it very, very well. He got like he had the like the track suit on. It was just absolutely yeah, it was great. Yeah, he was they the only good thing. part about this whole thing. That's the thing, man. Chris Jericho, if you're being upstaged by Dan Lambert, if he's more entertaining than you, exactly what you said. He needs to take a good hard look at himself and think about what he's bringing to this company because mm-hmm. it hasn't been much in the last few months. Nope. It's been transparently self-serving. And look, while this was entertaining in a car crash kind of way, figure it out, man. Figure it out because this is not what we're tuning in for. Go travel and with Fozzie, man. Take take some time off. Go take on one of your hiatuses. Reevaluate your life because, look, I don't, we all know you're one of the greatest of all time. Don't ruin mm-hmm. it with this crap. I wonder how many more of these feuds he has in him before people kind of get enough of it. I, I don't know. Maybe now. it might be one or two more, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm I've had it with Jericho. These last two have been so bad that it's like oh, this is the first time I've really been very disappointed in Chris Jericho mm. because, you know, he's in charge of this stuff like to a certain degree. He's right. He clearly has say that that's what makes it so much worse. He, exactly. he doesn't have the uh, the veil of, oh, he's in WWE. They're all really stupid. Like, no. Yeah. That's not the case here. I mean, the AEW people are stupid sometimes, but but it's different. They're stupid sometimes because they let wrestlers do too much. And this is one of the examples of that. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, no bad. Um, all right. Before we talk about the title, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. I'm watching the hunt for Red October. It just started. They just did the thing where... Um, like Sean Connery and the, the, the Russians on the sub are speaking Russian and then they go into his cabin and there's a moment where the camera like shifts onto a light in the background or something and they stop speaking Russian and start speaking English. And it's one of the only times I can think of that a movie has like an in kayfabe switch moment where they establish, no, no, these characters are speaking Russian, but it'll be a lot more interesting if you don't have to read what they say the whole movie. So we're going to pull the old switcheroo. It's very satisfying. This is a great movie. I don't know if there's a flaw in it. I haven't noticed it yet. I rewatched it a couple months ago, and it was fantastic. You can tell I'm getting old because I have a lot more dad opinions on things, and The Hunt for Red October is definitely one of them. It's real good. If any of you are listening to this at this point, hmm, I wanted to tell you to tweet me something, but I can't think of it. If you're listening to this and you're a fan of Red October, just tweet at Harris Wilson and say one ping only, please. I just want to know you made it here. One ping only, please. If you don't know what that's a reference to, you can tweet it too. But, you know, it, that, that's up to you. I won't tell you what to do. Sean Connery just uh, killed the dude in his quarters. Because he's, he's a loyal Russian, but Sean Connery is defecting. So that's what's going on. Mark, you back? 
Okay. All cool. right. So, uh, title match: Kenny Omega, Adam Page, AEW World Title. Um, again, not our favorite build. Uh, a b- good, good build, like on an overall thing. You know, like obviously, this has been two years, whatever, in the making. So all of that, well done. Um, you know, and again, no fault to Hangman Page. I mean, he had a kid. I mean, I totally get it. You know, I'm not gonna fault the guy at all for for that. But that being said, a little bit of momentum, at least for us, was kind of lost, and we would have liked to see it be built up more before this match. But regardless, was still a big deal. Had a big fight feel. Uh, you know, Omega always has that. Hangman mm-hmm. is super over, regardless of what we say. He's massively over. Couldn't be yep. any more over. So the the stage was set. Felt big. Felt cool. Felt like the main event for the title. And I... I Oh yeah, they they announced Jay Lethal. That was a that was a cool moment when they Woo. they they assigned Jay Lethal. So that was fun. The fact that he's not black is machismo, it, I'm very disappointed. But is it bad that every time I see Jay Lethal, I think of like all the Ric Flair ticks because that's what I think of <laughs> the most when I see him. That's so fair. I saw that's Lethal fair. and I was like, woo, woo. See, but like, see, you're you're a later of. wrestling fan, Harris. I I, I see I him know. and I just think black machismo, and I just <laughs> wish we would get Macho Man Jay Lethal again because that was just oh, one of the greatest things ever. Um, TNA, TNA staple, RIP. <laughs> I don't care if it's still going as impact RIP TNA. Um, uh, so that was fun. Uh, but yeah, so this match, you know, this match happened and I don't have a ton to really say about the match. It was just a really well done main event title match. Like both guys are good and the spots were good. I thought they told a good story of, you know, the story is obvious. It's it's Hangman overcoming Omega. That's mm-hmm. been the whole story. So that's what it was. And mm-hmm. there was a cool moment where Paige hit the one-winged angel yeah, on, like on uh, Hangman, which makes sense because they were a tag team. If anyone had studied it enough, it would be him. Mm. And then Harris's mm. argument of, well, yep. he kicked out because he's not as good at it, you know. So all that was fun. The Young Bucks moment made was a little weird, but I kind of get it. Especially after Dynamite, I think I see where they're going with that, and I think they're going in a good direction. Um, so even though it was kind of awkward, I thought in this match in particular, mm-hmm. they they had kind of tried to set it up a little bit with some backstage segments, like on Dynamite before, um, and I thought it was fine. Like I thought it was fine. Um, so that that was that was that that, that was cool, and then you know hitting the. Finishing move, getting the win, Dark Order coming down, new AEW champion. Hangman finally did it, and I thought I thought it was fun. I, I enjoyed the moment a lot. I thought the match was good. Um, I don't think it was the best Omega title match, but again, it, it didn't have to be, which mm-hmm. I know sometimes is something I fault AEW for, where they do things because yeah. they don't have to. This is one I'm not going to fault them for. Because they put the emphasis where it needed to be in this match. And it wasn't on being the greatest match ever. It was on the moments in particular. In particular, the ending. And I thought they nailed it. Mm-hmm. I thought they nailed it. It was a great moment. And uh, well-deserved for Paige. He's the most over babyface in the company. And I thought I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this match a lot. And I, lo- I enjoyed the ending a lot. Yeah, I did too. I think the timing is a little awkward and it's hard to blame. Certainly, you know, you can't really blame anybody for that. And it's easy to say, Oh, well, I wish they had held out a little bit longer. I will be honest from what I've read. It sounds like Kenny Omega kind of held on about as long as he could. And he needs to take some time off and get his shoulders fixed up and kind of, we'll get to that. Yeah. And I, I'll be honest. It's 
pretty late my time, so I don't have time to go through Dynamite blow for blow. So you're gonna have okay. To well, fair that, enough. Then I just want to um, mention one part about Dynamite. Then um, okay, the best part about Dynamite was near the beginning. You had a moment backstage where you had Kenny Omega and the Bucks being interviewed, and you're like, "Oh man," because like the Bucks came out and didn't help Kenny, mm-hmm. and he goes. Kenny immediately says, I haven't rewatched the match back. And you're like, oh, man, he doesn't even know. Mm. And he's like, but, you know, all this, whatever. Hangman did this, but I need to I need to self-reflect. I forgot exactly. I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I need to self-reflect. I need to take some time off. And you have. And he's like, and I need you guys to hold down the fort for me. And Adam Cole goes, Mm. I'd be happy to. And he's like, well, thanks, Adam. But I was talking about the Young Bucks. Oh, boy. It's happening. Let's go. I'm just saying that was awesome. That was awesome. The only other thing I'm going to mention about Dynamite, real quick, Brian Danielson fully basically turned heel on Adam Page. I heard that. I can't wait to Again, I don't know if it's going to stick. It might just be Mm -hmm. like he did it subtly enough where he could backtrack if he needs to after the feud. So I don't know if it's full bore. But, you know, mm-hmm. they were in Virginia. It was his celebration, and he leaned into yeah. it. Like, that's one thing Sick. I liked about it. It felt natural. Like, it didn't feel yeah. like, oh, I'm going to be the heel. It felt more like, screw you guys. Like, I'm not going to put up with this or, you know, pansy foot around. Like, yeah, I'm going to beat you. Like, I'm going to be, cha-, you know. So he really leaned into that, you know, threw some insults, and it, it was good. It was really good. Really well Sweet. done. Yeah. Um, and it. then, obviously, the only other thing that I really want to mention is just the punk MJF was awesome. <laughs> MJF comes out, cuts all this promo. Punk interrupts him, comes out, looks at him. MJF's like, hey, man, shake. And Punk's like, nope, doesn't say a word, just leaves him. And I was like, oh, yes. Can't wait, <laughs> Can't wait dude. I'm honestly. So that's all I wanted excited. to say about Dynamite because that was it, it was honestly, that was fun. Oh, that's awesome. I'm honestly more exciting leaving this pay-per-view. Which is so rare with AEW. That's one of their faults is lately they have not been doing that very well. Well, okay. So to segue back into the main event for a second, like I I realized kind of right after this started, first of all, I loved, I loved the intro, like the cold open of him riding in on the horse and seeing like the promos on the TV screens downtown as he rode in. That gave it such a big fight feel. That was honestly like even AEW production wise hasn't always been on par with WWE, but that was that was incredible. It was. I love that. And I kind of realized as this was happening, I was like, you know, I I think it's kind of. Everybody kind of penciled in almost when the company started, maybe not quite that like, oh, Kenny Omega is going to turn heel and he's going to go on this crazy run with the title and like, oh, who's going to beat Kenny Omega? And then when they were in the tag team, people were like, oh, Hangman Page is going to kick out of the one winged angel. It's going to be crazy. And then we had like a year and a half with that kicking around in our head that a lot of people kind of felt like that was exactly what was going to happen. And I don't he never hit it, did he? No, never even. Cool. I like that. That's interesting. That's fine. I'm pretty sure it's because his shoulders are tissue paper. But like as this match was starting, I was like, you know, this doesn't have to be like the biggest, craziest, greatest moment in AEW history. This can just be a damn good little wrestling moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was. And that's okay. And I think it's. It's one of those things where our, my expectations were so high that this couldn't – it wasn't Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, but that's okay. It was still really good. And now, like just the dumbest little thing, like when Hangman released his statement 
on Wednesday. And he was like, uh, it was like in official stationary, but it was clear he was like dictating it. And he was like, uh, we just got to make sure this is released before BTE comes out, I guess. Um, it's cowboy shit day. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it was just him as a completely different champion than Kenny Omega. And I absolutely love it. And it's just so exciting to not really know what's going to happen next. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that's something for better or for worse. We've kind of had hanging over the title picture ever since Kenny Omega won it. And it's great to be like, I don't know. Like, I don't think Daniel Bryan's going to take it in a month, but he's a really intense guy right now. And in kayfabe, he's certainly more than capable of doing it. And I can't wait to see what happens. All of the other feuds that they've set up also seem awesome and perfect. And I'm very excited for, but I don't know. I, I think for as much as we've kind of crapped on the build coming in, I think the timing got a little out of their control and they figured better to just pull the trigger and, and figure it out later. And I salute them for that. I do think the match was really good. I don't think it was Kenny Omega's like best or craziest match, but that's fine. The hangman stuff was really fun. I really liked that point about the bucks, even though it was a little, a little awkward in the moment. I think they're really going to turn it into something cool in the long term. And I love I love getting to see him celebrate with his friends in the Dark Order. That's genuinely been one of my favorite unexpected things in wrestling in the last few years is this weird little bastard friendship he formed with them because <laughs> they're all outcasts or yeah. feel like they're outcasts. Mm -hmm. That's been a tremendous amount of fun, and I'm glad that I'm glad that he got to have that moment. I thought it was really cool. I like agree. I said, not like the best moment in wrestling or anything, but it at some point you just got to enjoy it for what it is, which is a which is a really fun little moment. So it was good. I liked it. I'm excited to see what happens next. I agree. All right. Oof. Well, that's the show. A, a longer episode because we've been gone for so long. So and because we, we talked about nonsense for 40 minutes. So see, we normally go. we do that before we start recording. And this right. week, Mark was just like, nah, y'all can hear it. Yep. We're just going to put it in there. Lose, lose all the rest of you. You listen to this whole thing. Wow. Thanks. Thank you. We love you. Um, all right. Follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla and Instagram at behind underscore gorilla. You follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So go ahead and do that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all we got, Harris. That's all we got. Woo. Have a good night, guys. See ya.